everybody? This is Sam Claiborne. This is Super Nintendo Voice Chat. For the first time in a very long time, um, I'm here with Brendan Graber. Hey! Perry Schneider. You're not Jose. No, I'm not. And Megan Sullivan. Howdy, Kooplings. And uh, I'm not Jose. Jose's out. He's been out sick for a, a few days now, and we just wanted to really get in a podcast because there was some big news that came out today. Uh, about Nintendo's uh, financial standings, and uh, we've also been playing some really cool games, including Gravely Default and the NES Remix, which we haven't even talked about on this podcast yet. So I'm really excited to talk about those games. But first, the numbers. Yeah, we were. I mean, we were initially going to do a podcast on the on the Game of the right. Year uh, awards and and kind of go through our choices. And you know, we really wanted to do that with Jose. So you know, while he's still unfortunately out sick, um, when he's back, we're definitely going to do that one. But we figured we we tied you over until then and and hijacked this podcast to talk about all this. Uh, this great positive news that's coming out. Uh, yeah, and while you, while you look up some of the uh, the numbers, we can tell you. I I do want to say that um, Nintendo had like seriously some of the best games I've played last year. I'm not worried about them making good games. It, you, don't take all this stuff to be like this huge downer thing. This is this is the business. Businesses go up and down. It doesn't really matter. They should just keep making great games, and you should be happy with that. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. It. I yeah. think if you look at the history, like you know. The N64 and the GameCube, not the best sellers, but they had really good games. And everybody who had the system and loved it, loved the games they put out. Yeah, it was hard to be a GameCube owner at the time, I'll say that. There yeah. was long stretches between great games, but now I look back at it and I'm like, man, that's my favorite system. Okay. So I know what it's like when there's no good games coming out, but there are good games coming out, too. Yeah, but I mean, you you tend to look at the past with rose-colored glasses, too. So totally let's, let's get to the news first, and we can talk about that a little mm -hmm. bit more. But, you know, Nintendo, of course, famously uh, estimated uh, sales of $9 million uh, Wii U units in its fiscal year, which is so, modest already. You know that's not total install. That's that's just the last year. Um, you know uh, until until the end of March. And um, we've long said that they are going to come out and revise that number, and they revised it down pretty substantially. So mm -hmm. from $9 million, they're down to $2.8 million. So Iwata now said um, that they're expecting sell, to sell $2.8 in this in this time period. And so that's the real deal now. Um, you know, there's been a lot of speculation and honestly so many false reports on how many units Nintendo totally. sold over the holidays. Uh, they still haven't come out and given exactly kind of like the breakdown, mm -hmm. um, you know, Sony and, and Xbox, ha uh, Microsoft have. Um, and because Xbox is in number one for the holiday season. No, no, it right? depends on how well, you slice it. Well, it's in the U.S., it. sorry. So PlayStation yeah. 4 has oh, the most that, yeah. units out. Yep. Um, you know, not, I mean, total units, Wii U, of course, has, has a couple more, right? Like, but total... Total units sold um, last year so far, um, PlayStation was at the top, uh, PlayStation 4. Xbox actually was the best-selling console according to the dollar amounts. So, you know, the Xbox is 100 bucks more and uh, sold really, really well as well. So good stories, uh, good, good news for both of those. Nintendo had also good news because the single best-selling piece of hardware was Period. the Nintendo 3DS, right? Yeah. And so that's, of course, a cheaper platform. You know, some people call it a console, a handheld console. Some people I bet call you guys all else. bought a 3DS this year, too. I did. There I did. Yes, I did. Two, two variations you can upgrade or, or yep. downgrade to the 2DS now. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't and yet, but I'm going to. So you, there's a reason why they keep selling 3DSs. Great games. Yeah. And very, you want to upgrade your hardware. And so fiscal sales for 3DS, though, they took down, too. And so, you know, we've... we've we used to bad news on the Wii U front and talked many times about, you know, like the brand confusion, maybe not uh, like people not understanding why they should buy a Wii U, not being, not there being uh, not enough games, but the 3DS, of course, we all love, but even that one is falling short of estimates. So they were estimating 18 million in the f 
uh, the fiscal year, but they revised it down to 13.5 million. So that's mm-hmm. a big, big gap, right? Well, you've seen this happen a lot in the industry where last year was a year where everybody's waiting for two next gen consoles to come out. Mm-hmm. That's not a good year to you know expect huge 3DS sales, but it was also conversely an amazing year for 3DS games. Yeah. So I think it got. I think the 3DS did good, but as you were saying, it's it's still not what they expected it to do. Yeah. Is that the case? That's it. And yeah. honestly, I mean, it's it may have been a little bit of hubris on Nintendo's part. Sure. Um, I- Iwata, you know, often says things like, we don't compete with smartphones or we don't compete with the Xbox 360. Like, he's said things like that in the past. And, you know, I hope that there's this realization that, no, you're competing for the dollars that people are going to spend on these machines. And so, yes, you are competing. What do you think of all the calls for his resignation today? It's been very funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, in, in the business world, some people have said if he can't get the dollars, then he should resign, right? He's not going to resign. You know, no, he's. It, uh... you got to remember, Nintendo was a family-run company until mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Like He's yep. probably only going to pass it on to his firstborn son. So, the <laughs> you know, we have a piece on the site that Keza wrote about, you know, Nintendo is not going anywhere where you know she reiterates that they have you know uh, they they have a lot of money in the bank right Mm -hmm. they're very very rich company now the reality though is that it is also publicly traded you know uh, in in japan um so it has shareholders and shareholders of course are not fine with a company losing money so they put pressure on the company to make sure that they are satisfying their demands drive up stock and so forth and and bring in the revenue and that's the other ba- bad news is that they were expecting fi- a, a um, a profit of 55 billion yen, mm-hmm. and now they're they've revised it to a net loss of 25 billion yen. So that's a huge gap, right? Um, you know, it, easy to make uh, the calculation. Like 10,000 yen is about 100 bucks. Right? So, and also another reaction. So one reaction was a lot of needs to step down. Another one is that uh, they need to ditch the Wii U. What do you guys think of this this prospect? I think Brendan and I were talking about this earlier. That Nintendo, uh, or no, it was Fran actually. Fran was saying, oh, "I called it on NBC back in the day. Uh, we use a three three year system, and I had never like given it much thought. And it's really bad if a company has to ditch their console, though. Like, I mean, it didn't work for Saturn, you know. Yeah. Like, they came out with the Dreamcast, and then they were behind anyway. Well, the the funny thing with Nintendo is that they now finally are starting to have games that I'm interested in coming out this year for the Wii U. I still feel like it's a little early to just ditch the system." I do think, however, it is. And you're important. talking about Smash and racing, or uh, Smash I mean. um, X, which is a sort of Xenoblade spiritual sequel. I guess mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what it is, but these games look really interesting. And I haven't bought a Wii U yet, just because I'm like, well, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, Nintendo, and I'm sure some listeners will agree with me. Like, 3DS has had so many fantastic games this year; it's unbelievable. Like, I got a real bang for my buck with it. But with Wii U, it's like they have good games on it. But they don't seem to have a lot of games, especially to compete with, you know, the PlayStation and the Xbox. And Nintendo's going to have to make a decision about where they're going in the future with this console, console and other consoles because they're it's so deja vu with the GameCube. Yeah, they're so tep- <laughs> they're they're so timid when it comes to online and things like that. And you know, if you, even if you don't care about graphics and things like that, it feels like Nintendo's holding back just yeah. a little bit. Did you guys so, read the third party the uh, rumor about yeah, the guy who said not that. really a rumor, but well, the, it was anonymous. Yeah, mm-hmm. we wrote about it on IGN where uh, it, it was all about how it, how hard it was to bring a third-party game to Nintendo's platforms, which is so funny because, I mean, I swear we talked about, or you guys talked about this in 2003. Yeah. 
every every mailbag on IGN I read but was about this third party games. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, it's tough. Obviously, you'll you'll talk to a different developer, you'll hear a slightly different story, right? Like it is not hard to develop for the Wii U. It's just that Nintendo is still a little bit behind on, you know, because it doesn't have that many titles coming out. It's behind on third-party relations, I think, right? Like, the big news was that the guys running the Nintendo online infrastructure had no idea how Xbox Live worked and, you know, how, you know, how, yeah. or PSN, how affili- how the, the payments, how the, the shares, everything worked over there. And so that is... That's terrible. I mean, they need to get on top of that and need to get intel on their competition in order to blow them out of the water. Mm-hmm. So now back to the Wii U. I, I don't think they're going to drop the system, right? Like the only time Nintendo truly dropped a machine was with the Virtual Boy, mm-hmm. which was a third pillar, right? It was not a replacement. Like they need their home console market. It may mean that they dial back on development on the Wii U. They'll kind of write it out. They're probably not going to spend a ton on marketing. Um, that That's one course they can take, and they're really going to focus on 3DS because that's where they're in the lead, and they can make a lot of cash, obviously, still, right? Um, or they could say, hey, we're going to go all out, and we're going to really push you know, Smash Brothers, Mario Kart. Mario Kart was uh, you know, a 30 million unit selling game on the Wii. Um, yeah, it ended up could taking be over, right, as number one? Yeah, think, on yeah, Wii. it's the number one selling Maybe title. Just, just Dance was ahead of it, maybe. Um, oh, uh, yeah, I didn't check the third parties, but, but yeah, yeah, it was just crazy. Was like, big, too. look, in hindsight, like... Wii Sports, of course. Yeah, yeah well, mm-hmm. yeah, with yeah, that pack-in, but the cart just kept on selling, yeah. which is really cool. So, but I don't think, work. you know, I, like, I would, title. I would not make the argument to anyone saying that either one of these games is going to change the fortune and make the Wii U a success and, and, and have it catch up with the Xbox or the PlayStation 4, you know, which have a much faster trajectory and are going to blaze past the Wii U. I don't think that's going to happen. That doesn't mean, though, that the Wii U is not a great console to have. You'll no. get good games on it, but they're going to be Nintendo games. And you know, one of those games is uh, Craig Way. Yeah. NES Remix, which I just, I reviewed it for IGN. I, I absolutely adore it. And I don't think we've talked about an NVC yet. And have you all played it? Mm-hmm. I know, Megan, you've seen, you've seen it. I've seen it, and I played, like, a couple of levels for a couple of games. Did you play I've played it, yeah. And then you... Yeah, I played uh, a little bit of it. Yeah, I, and I just played it from start to finish. I just love it. So um, I really, really recommend anybody who's listening to this podcast, you guys are Nintendo fans. You're going to like old-school Nintendo stuff. Like, it is that is the way I want to experience these old games. I, I, I like playing The Legend of Zelda still. I don't like playing Wrecking Crew that much. But the way this this t- took those old games and represented them as a series of little challenges, ah, I just thought that was so clever. I do think they kind of undersold the whole message of, like, there's 16 games and there's mm-hmm. so much in those games. Like, I was thinking when I first saw it, I was like, oh, you know, there's maybe, like, a couple levels for each. So maybe maybe it's kind of nice. And then I watched Sam play it and I was like, wait, how many levels can you unlock? Yeah, yeah. Like there's 200. hundreds of challenges. Yeah, it's really funny. It, I would love to play this game on 3DS, by the way. Totally. It just would be oh, yeah. so yeah. much fun. There's no reason it won't be on 3DS. Uh, I mean, well, there's mysterious Nintendo reasons why it won't be on 3DS, <laughs> but there's no reason why it couldn't be on 3DS. Well, the, the reasons being they want to offer software on the Wii U, make sure people that people use the Wii U as a continuous platform Mm -hmm. rather than saying, oh, I'm going to give up on this one. I'm going to rush out and buy the other platform. And I think it's part of an overall strategy with the Wii U where they announce... They come up with cool ideas, and then they announce the game and just release it right away. So they're probably working on other stuff like this. Obviously, also Dr. Luigi is an example of this. Like, those two games were announced at the same Nintendo Direct. NES Remix came out the same day. Yeah, You know, Dr. Luigi came out right after that. Like, those little uh, kind of games... Um, can really 
stack up after a while and win win people over uh, like us. I yeah. don't think they're going to win over a general public. Yeah. But it makes me really happy to own a Wii U finally. I loved Wind Waker. I loved Mario 3D World. And NES Remix was the icing on the cake. I'm not too mm-hmm. not too keen on Luigi, but uh, yeah. Dr. Luigi, but it's kind of interesting. Dr. Luigi, we haven't talked about that yet much either, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's... Um, I like Dr. Mario. I, I like the gameplay, and it's, Who know, likes it's, it one of the, it's one of the few games that my wife actually Mine plays. Too. But she was bored with it because it oh, really? was because it was a worse version from of, of Dr. Mario, right? It didn't have the four-player split screen, so you couldn't get other players 60, in. Mar- it, Dr. Mario 64 is the, what you're talking 64 about. 64 was okay. amazing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, fewer songs, and like it's it's just kind of... It, it feels like a decent small download, but not a great installment. And, like, that's why they're release, releasing these games, like, you know, they don't announce them much. They just put them out. They're small titles meant to kind of be candy that you get once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. They're more kind of like App Store releases that are not the big kind of huge games that everybody talks I about. I love seeing Nintendo yeah. do that, though. Yeah. Like, it, that's a new it, thing for them to do, and the, I think it's great. The problem is that that might not work if the rest of the marketing platform doesn't isn't working, right? Like, yep. people go to the App Store and look at the top 10 and discover the games um, via, you know, their friends, and, and you don't have that kind of ecosystem built out as much on the Wii U, right? Me versus awesome, but you usually hang out on your Wii U because you're excited about a game like Mario and you're playing it, and that's how you would discover these other things. Yep. And so that's why it's important that Nintendo gives people incentives to to actually turn on their Wii U. So there's this mode in uh, Dr. Luigi where I uh, use the touchscreen, mm-hmm. and everything everything completely slows down and then multiple pills come out and uh-huh. you kind of and it plays the music like in this kind of uh, psychedelic slow way it's all echoey and weird and you slowly place the, mm-hmm. the pills in place and it's it's really funny. Yeah, I think it's really amusing, and I just had a blast playing that. Yeah, it's it, and I showed it's, that to people here at, at work, and, and it, that's really clever. And I thought that was cool. That should have been the forefront of that puzzle game. Look, but the but it. the core of Doctor Luigi is Doctor Mario, and it plays great, right? Yeah. It's like it's a tried and true formula. It's just for someone who's played the old games. There's not much new to warrant this version. They're over, L-shaped, yeah. Bear. They're L-shaped. Now, yeah. this has been, been nagging me for it. We're in January now. Mm-hmm. Looking back, how would you rate the year of the Luigi? Uh, 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10? 7.9 out of 10. I haven't rated a year I think yet. back of all the news, like, you know, the Dr. Luigi, you know, was okay, didn't really get a lot of interest. The guy who played Luigi in Super Mario Bros. show died. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like a really sad way to go out for Luigi's yeah. year. <laughs> what do you guys think this year should be is the important question. It's, Ooh, good question. I think it should be the year of Navi. She, she's my favorite oh, sidekick. <laughs> she's she's the uh, Luigi of Zelda. She was the one who annoyed everybody. <laughs> yeah, but how great would <laughs> hey, it be listen. if we just focused on her all year? That's right. We got Megan on the show. On the show. Now <laughs> we listen, can, uh... listen. Hey, listen. Yeah. Uh, listen professional listen. voice actress. <laughs> exactly. I hate, I'm sure all the Kooplings hate me so much right now. Shut up! It's bringing back painful well, memories. It's, just, it's too painful. Just, yeah. just calling them Kooplings, I think, is upsetting at this point. Yeah. Well, well what, what, what do they want to be called? I don't know if to ask do them. To Please write us and let us know at nbc at ig.com. That's, that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah, so, Dear um, listeners, I but, think what they want to be But called. so the, these two digital releases were actually fun. Like Doc, Dr. Luigi was fun. And a surprise, um, which is yeah. important. I love that. I love getting surprises, especially yep. around Christmas. How great was that? Yeah, and like they, this kind of like the NES remix concept is really cool. So I'm, I'm happy we got that game. If you haven't downloaded it yet and you're bored, get it. it is, it's way better than you think it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not a mini-game collection. It's it's a rethought, cool, inspired, and uh, in WarioWare type game. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge WarioWare fan. And the same people that worked in this also did um, Retro Game Challenge, which was the localization of... Uh, 
you know, a Reno's game in Japan where he plays the old retro games. I forget what it's called there. But I love it. It's a great show. Not to undersell it, stamps. Yeah, yeah, there's stamps in the Lots game, too. Lots of stamps to collect. Yeah, they them. have the same mechanic in that game that they have in 3D World, where once you beat a level, you can leave a little message about it or whatever, but they give you, uh, you know, like, 8-bit stamps in this that you can use to stamp. It's that, very clever. Like it's going to be Nintendo's achievement system. It has to be. Because achievements... <laughs> stamps, you think yeah. so? Why not? They've done it's it in two so games. Yeah, That's right well. in a row. Yeah. That would be cool. All right, so uh, we've also uh, all played uh, Bravely Default, which used to be called Bravely Default Flying Fairy. It's coming out very soon. There's a demo out right now, and the cool thing about this demo is that if you play it, you can transfer some stuff over to the uh, full game. Not which is such a good idea. Demo. Like, why don't they do that with more games is what I'm wondering. They did it for Etrian Odyssey. They did it for Bravely yeah. Default. And I'm like, games should do this more often. It's a great way to get people to play your game. Yeah, I think it's. I think many are worried that if they give you too much substance, you're not going to buy the full game, right? But I think with with JRPGs or kind of niche games like that, um, the people who are going to buy them are going to love the fact that they get this head start. And and I thought it was just amazing that you go into this demo and the game tells you, hey, all the missions you're doing, by the way, are not in the final yeah, game. Yeah, I love So that. the demo is actually like almost a prologue kind mm-hmm. of a special thing. And I, I thought that was awesome. I think that's great fan support. I hope it doesn't get overlooked. And if you have a 3DS, download Bravely Default the demo. It's free. Check it out. You uh, might Par- actually like Par- it. Out is butt-handed to him in it. Yeah, see, like I, I have to put more time in, into it. Yeah. I barely, barely played it, but like I walked out and uh, ran into some snakes and died. I'm like, what the heck? What's up with this? So I, I thought was this was like, experience. yeah. And then I, I did it again. And I'm like, man, there's the freaking snakes again. I got poisoned. It has a fire <laughs> emblem level of complexity. Yeah. And if you play JRPGs or job systems, you're set. Final Fantasy three, if you play that, you're you're gonna be okay. But if you haven't, like, I, I haven't played them that much. I played a little bit of Final Fantasy three. I was just totally clueless, and it really does throw you into it. Yeah, I mean, this is my my first real JRPG besides like you know How fire weird emblem. Is that? I don't know. I mean, I, I like Pokemon Fire Emblem, but that's like the, you know baby tier. Mm-hmm. And this is like really getting into it. So like you know, I was unprepared too. I walked out and I died. And I was like, okay, what's this whole job thing about? And then I got the the complexities of it. You know, changing jobs to fit your your play styles and how one can you know once you get jobs up, you can job switch back, and then you still have some of those abilities. And you can find a lot it's of It's much depth. more free than RPGs that don't have a job system, whereas, like, you know, you always want to build up your black mage with, like, the right black mage armor and get all the right spells and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in this game, anybody can be a black mage for a temporary time, and they still get the benefits of having been that black mage. Like, yeah. that's really clever. Like, you can make the biggest, like, fighting uh, um, tank character, and then all that could also be your best, uh, you know, healer. And you what? never lose that's that so on cool. character development, because one thing I always... I mean, I, I love Fire Emblem, but one thing I always hated was having to choose who I wanted on my team because, you know, there'd be those story sequences and you, like, you want to keep everybody the same level and mm-hmm. have them all be powerful, but you had to choose. And, like, a lot of RPGs have that. And this one, I get like, oh, four guys can do anything they want. And yeah. you get to see all the story development, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I obviously love the choice in Fire Emblem because you feel like you're playing, a, you have a unique experience, right? Like, my game may be slightly different from yours, depending on whom I brought. Mm-hmm. They do a nice job at kind of faking that. Obviously, the storyline is, is going to well, be Well, and you same. can be partial to but, characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like, But, I, I mean, I started playing Bravely Default, and the first thing I thought is like, wow, this is Final Fantasy V. It's, I mean, visually, sound-wise, the way it feels, I mean, everything about it screams Final Fantasy. Even is it down really to similar the, to that one? I've never yeah, down to one. the like you know obviously visuals are different it's evolved right it, it uses kind of like layered 3d graphics it's and stuff like that but it uses the exact kind of iconography like when you're mm-hmm. muted it, it has the dot 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 symbol and all that well and... actually it's the spiritual sequel to final fantasy Four heroes of light which i played which i really uh, liked and people forget that a lot that's and the so... ios game 
That, no, that actually came out, I believe, on the DS. DS, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually really liked that game. I didn't pay much attention to Bravely Default, however, until everyone started being like, oh my gosh, this game is so neat, and mm-hmm. there's so much that you can do, and if you played Final Fantasy III, you're going to love this game. Yep. Well, doesn't the name Bravely Default just scream Final Fantasy Spiritual Success? It totally does. That's, that's the, the reason why so they bad. actually had uh, the Flying Fairy. FF was supposed to be their, their oh, really? homage back to Final but Fantasy. But none of it makes sense. I mean, but, I can see why you missed out on this. But why you, didn't they make this a spin-off Final Fantasy title? I don't know. I like it seems so confounding because if 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 they had come forward and said we have this killer name that will really sell this game, but it's called Bravely Don't Default. There's which already is, a sequel in know, Japan, so I think they just want to start a new. Default is not a good word. No. Yeah, the sequel you is know? for the second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, for the second. So Megan, you play more JRPGs than anybody in the entire office. Yep. Talk to the RPG fans. Tell them why you like this game because I think you have been enjoying it, right? Oh, yeah. I absolutely love this game. Um, I grew up with the old school Final Fantasy games and so I like the challenge that this provides. So if you balance your party correctly and you have the right people with the right jobs, it's really addictive and fun to play. And the one thing I like the most about it is the actual brave default system which initially i dismissed because like that's stupid i don't understand it like why would you do that but it's this very clever mechanic where instead of a traditional turn-based game where your party attacks a monster the monster attacks you you can actually either forfeit future turns in order to chain attack a monster right out the gate or you can defend yourself for a couple of rounds mm-hmm. and build up all of these powers and magic spells that you can unleash later on on your enemies. Mm-hmm. And it sort of depends on the type of enemy and uh, what jobs everyone has. So in my final party, I had a, I had a warrior, I had a black mage, white mage, and ninja. And I was able to get through the ninja. two final bosses pretty well. But I mean, it's very challenging and mm-hmm. it gives you a lot of... Uh, depth in terms of strategy. I mean, everyone wants to go brave, 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 yeah. like right out the gate. And it's like, if you start doing that later on in the demo, it's a bad idea. Because <laughs> the terror? enemies take yeah. brave turns too. Yeah, yeah they the do. the first time I saw the Minotaur, like Braves, like, oh, what's going to happen now? Yeah. And then he just like destroys my entire party. Yeah, he takes four, he's already an incredibly attack heavy boss. So then he takes four turns right away. And that's what you usually do with weak enemies, and it works. So and it's funny you, to you see the ball, then yeah. you mitigate all the damage he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would w- have some brave and some default, especially my white mage, so that if I got an enemy who braved on me like twice and was kicking my butt, she could then turn around and heal everyone two or three times mm-hmm. yep. to make sure that my party didn't, you know, get killed in battle. I can see how this might not last me eighty hours of thrilling gameplay, but but I did like the the. It, that they changed up. If this was a straightforward turn-based RPG, I would not be playing it. So yeah. it is the battle system. No, I think it's really it. interesting. I like. I was reminded of some old Final Fantasy characters, like I think the monk and the dragoon can the, do the the jumping the jump. thing. Right? Yeah, like, curious it has, like that. It has a lot of those elements in it too. Um, I and I wonder how different the final game is. Like whether the story, you know, like you were going to be exposed to different things. Maybe the ramp up in difficulty is different. In I heard the final, final game. game is actually really so, difficult. Yeah, it's out in yeah. Europe. And like you start off, and the demo gives you like 12 jobs to play with around with. Mm-hmm. And the main game, you start off with just like one or two. And then you build up over time. You can find new ones during side quests. Yeah, but but see, that actually forces you a little bit more to to learn all the, you know, you yeah. learn two two classes right off, uh, off the bat rather than right now where it's kind of overwhelming. And so yeah. I think, yeah. So the demo does a good job of yeah. giving you a taste, but then almost yep. a little too much bit of a taste. Yeah, it's a lot. I and mean, I think it can for people like me, if you're listening to uh, don't play JRPGs, I can give you my recommendation saying that, you know, as someone who 
rarely plays them. I am very impressed with what I've found off the bat. I mean, it just takes, just give yourself a little bit of time to, to learn. I know you might die right outside the town and like pair and go, oh, forget this, but just hang in there experiment a little with the job. And jobs. you have to teach yourself too. Yeah, like, it's not little... the game's not going to teach you well. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of teaching Especially yourself. Like, you know, try the brave and the default, try you know, changing class to see what kind of suits you, like what catches mm-hmm. your eye. And there's some nice little friendly additions they made. I think uh when the game was orig- originally released in Japan, they didn't have a lot of elements and they came back and they made a remake of it, which is now what we're getting, which has like you can set in the tactics uh, option, you can set the encounter rate. From like 100 percent to 200 to zero. I love that. So if you're around the, like the overworld, like you're out of you know mana, you're like I didn't oh, even geez. know that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really nice. And you can but... just turn off random enemies. Yeah. yeah. So if you get back to town, you don't want to be interrupted. What? You can do that. Or if you want to grind, 200. percent I always felt that was punishing in in many RPGs where you had to bring some item oh, yeah. to like suppress enemy attacks. And this or, one, or I love it. Or warp out of a dungeon. Yeah. yeah. Which is what I brought items to do. That's they so have cool. That I didn't yeah. even know that. But then there's See, it, there's, there's a trade-off. so many things I keep finding out because so they if don't you turn to zero, you can you know run around, but then all of a sudden you get like to a boss and you have no experience yeah. from grinding. I love that. It warns you, right? Yeah. 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 And they even have a, a nice uh, auto attack feature. After you turn you do your turn, you can press Y, mm-hmm. and then it'll redo what you did last turn. So for taking out trash mobs, you can just do that all the time. Well, this and, is yeah. of MMO turns. And, yeah, I know. That was impressive. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you have this <laughs> town-building mini-game where if you build up the town, you get extra good art, like items. Yes, I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with this. So this is the street pass feature in this game. And I know people have little access to street pass outside of an office like IGN where everybody has a 3DS. But it's really cool. And this is how it works in this game. Um, you have a little village of, of shops that can produce items for you, like stronger swords or better armor. But to upgrade those shops so they can make those things for you, you need to street pass people and add them to your town. And you can like get hundreds of people or over 100 people, I think. But we, we in just this time that we were playing this game, it maxes out at 20. So you have 20 guys. And what you can do with those, though, is they don't just complete that store. They complete it faster. And normally it's real time. So you have to wait, like, some of those places you have to wait, like, 25 hours for the, the shop to complete. Mm-hmm. 99 hours. Yeah, 99 hours to get, like, this amazing sword to be available in the shop. Well, if you street past 10 people, it cuts it down to, like, you know, four minutes or something like that. I, li- I like that feature, too. I mean, it's similar to Assassin's Creed 4, right? Like, in, in previous games, like in 2, you were able to build out your town by just buying stuff, right? And you open these new shops. And in 4, they actually have the whole, like, fleet where your friends oh, will contribute to the fleet. fleet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, I, I love these kind of connected features where, depending on how many friends you have with that game, you can actually, you know, further the quest or unlock new things, I think, when it works in Assassin's I think Creed, this works for... Yeah, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, Kenway's Buggy. fleet has been not good. Um, mm-hmm. for the, I think you can do this with friend codes, too, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. They did think ahead, so if, like, for the main game, not the demo, but the main game... Uh, if you don't live around other people, every day you can get a handful of villagers for free. Cool. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. But I love that. I think those are really clever ideas to use street pass like that, where you really, instead of just getting a challenge, you're actually getting a, re- a reward like that. And not only the really villagers, cool. you are, you can use street pass people mm-hmm. in battle. Mm-hmm. You can summon, yeah, you can like, summon their, your their characters. Yeah. Or if, like, if pair, you just get a potion for free. But, that's you know, great. I maxed out my character. It's not like this devastating attack I gave to Sam, so you can... Whip it out in a boss fight, which you is really nice. You can only really use nice. it each time you street pass. You can only use it once. 
and then I have to street pass him again. But it's funny because his high level character was hopping in my game just once, like a Rydia summon or something, and just like doing this huge attack and then just hopping out. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, the same thing. Like I was doing the you get an extra boss even when the demo ends, which I think is really cool. And I busted out a couple of my friends to help me take down the boss because it was it was challenging for me. And mm-hmm. so that was a really useful sort of clever way to put in the street pass. Yeah, it's That's good cool. all around. So I think we should move on to user mail because it's really stacked up over the last couple of weeks. And uh, you have some letters here, right? Yeah, obviously, you know, we did a, an NVC right before the break. We said we weren't going to do one, then we did one. <laughs> Um, be, because of what the, was the uh, what was the topic? Is that the, game of the, the year? Nintendo stuff that we're Direct. Off? No, yeah, the, the Nintendo last Direct. Oh, the Nintendo Direct. Remember well, we covered they, that this time. Yeah, they yeah. dropped a bunch of stuff on us. Yeah. So uh, you know, thank you to everyone who wrote in. There were so many of you. We can't honestly, we can't answer uh, all your questions, uh, and and of course not, we can't read them all. Um, but we do look look at everything. Um, so please keep emailing us at nvc at ign.com. If you want to ask a question that we'll read on the show, try to keep it reasonably short so that we can actually read it on the air. You know, some people have written great pieces of feedback that would take one year to read out loud. <laughs> and we accept mail in both English and German. Yeah, yeah, I can I can do French too if you want mm-hmm. that. Or Japanese. Japanese. Yeah, there you in go. Japanese. So first email is from Ian Gragnolati. Gragnolati. Uh, I assume you did uh, the finger thing. Yeah. Godfather uh, So he says, hey guys, I was wondering if you think the lack of analog triggers on the Wii U gamepad and Pro Controller will prevent GameCube games from becoming available for download. P.S. Brap, brap. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good either. question. He's absolutely right. Now, on the Pro Controller, they're not? No. Analog. No. Remember the GameCube had the wonderful, yeah. like, squishy triggers with the click at oh, the I, end? Oh, I yeah. love those triggers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know Jose recently hooked up a white GameCube mm-hmm. controller with a dongle that you have to buy. To yeah. you, but yeah, that's I mean, a really good point. Yeah, but uh, I mean, how many games used the shoulder buttons uh, for analog features? Yeah, they don't. That's the thing. Like, yeah. It was mainly used for clicking. There were a couple of shooters, I think, but they they also didn't use the squishy that much. You Mar- could Mario Sunshine. Translate. Yeah, that was important in that game. Yeah. Mario Sunshine is the one. You're right, but I th- I feel like. I, I feel like GameCube games are different in Nintendo's eyes where they're not going to just put them on the virtual console. They'll probably re-release them, redone in HD. Yeah, you want them in widescreen at this point anyway just because like, that's probably an easy thing to do. And gosh, after seeing Wind Waker, I mean... Yeah. Just, yeah, if they're going to do Sunshine, maybe they should just completely remake it and add 200 more stars. That'd yep. be cool. But yeah, it's not blue as coins. easy. It's blue, n- no more blue coins. It, <laughs> takes those out. It's not as easy as PlayStation, you know, being able to do PlayStation now streaming off some of their past games because the controller has stayed the same, you know, over the years. Like it has gotten more complex rather than simpler. And this is the one feature that Nintendo has simplified. Um, you know, to be fair, like there are not that many serious racing games on the on the uh, on the Wii U or even on the GameCube back then that mm-hmm. required kind of like the 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 analog triggers, but. You know, yeah. you're going to have to keep your way for now yep. as, as your GameCube. Yep, yep. Next email is from Abdul from England. Um, hi, guys. I'm not going to read this in a British accent. Hi, guys. Have you guys ever been deeply moved by a game, be it either single mom- uh, uh, single moment or as a whole? If so, have you ever been moved to tears? For wishing you a great new year. Uh, I think Gone Home was the most moving game I've played recently. Yeah? Yeah. The Attic recently or overall? Recently time. Well, I was just going to say, like, as a, something that came to mind. Did you cry? Uh, I was playing it with my wife, so no, but she did. Right. Oh, wow. I had to be there for her pair. So Gone Home, if you're not familiar with that game, it it looks like a horror game. It looks like a first-person shooter, but it isn't. It's everything but. It's like you explore this home. Yeah, it's an well, indie they game. They that Gun Home mod, which is that. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Game. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I thought Journey was really touching. 
Um, I, you know, I, I usually, I, I don't cry easily. Um, and I, but I like humans, uh, humans. I don't like humans. I like, Instead of like Terry Gross, humans, <laughs> I, humans. I like uh, moments of euphoria. Or like when, when something, you know, cool happens, I, I like that. You know, I get chills for that. Chills, but, yeah. but I thought journey, you know, spoilers, no, no spoilers. Actually, like when you play through the game, you come to the realization that what it is really about, right? Like it Kinda is like a journey. Yeah, it's a journey to something. And I thought like the way it was presented was really beautiful. It was really moving. So that totally. game really worked for me. Yeah. Something about the the finality of the ending of Link to the Past, the whole credit sequence, I just loved it. And then that that slow credit sequence with the the backdrop of the the dark world like horizon uh-huh. and that really slow music that built up into the main theme at the very end something about that gets me every time i listen to it you know what it's perfectly timed L- link to the past credit mm-hmm. like when he puts the sword first of all the camera pans across all these people right and then it put he puts the sword away it's like so perfectly timed with the music they yeah. really yeah they pull that off so well yeah mm. yeah wow i gotta watch that again i, yeah. I just I, is it exactly the get, same in a link between worlds no 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 it's very different um yeah. and it's just something about that that whole ending the ending sequence and then the credits like yeah. the slow credit sequence after <laughs> that like just gets me misty i don't know it just I just love the journey of that game and how it just it, it's so fin- final in the end. Totally agree. Aerith. Uh, to this day, Aerith. I hear the beginning of Aerith's theme and forget. I get all Is this a Final Fantasy VII thing? Yeah. Uh, yes. Statute of Limitations has expired on this one. You can say what happened. Is that the main character? No, that I'll dies? tell you why I never do. I'll tell you, This is a uh-huh. true story. Um, I was in high school when the game came out. I just totally aged myself. And my best friend was on the phone with me. And she'd never played the game, but she spoiled that moment where (laughs) Aerith dies. And I was like literally two hours out from that scene. And I was livid with rage. She gave her Oh, you were in the middle of the game. I was in the middle of the game. And she's like, oh, did you get to the part where Aerith dies? And I went, what? Everybody's talking I don't know. There was no such thing as spoilers back then. Yes, yes, there was. And I experienced it. So to this day, I never say what happens unless people give me permission to spoil it gotcha. because I'm still bitter about it. That's a really great moment. Um, it's so powerful. Yeah. And, and the game skipped on me. Like my PlayStation disc oh, skipped no. on me during that scene. And even knowing what happens and the disc skipping on me, I still cried hysterically. I, I would cry for all those reasons combined. I mean, <laughs> I seeing it. that thing, the skip being just like, the world hates me. Yeah. I think two other really emotional moments. One is The Last of Us and the ending and the realization. Oh, I'm not going to spoil it, but the, the realization that, the beginning you know, it's delicious. all about it's all about the loss of humanity and you and, like, what you have to do to survive. Like, the beginning is really sad, too, but Jeez. the end is really good, really hammers when it home. When you play the beginning again after no. playing the game, like, oh, my God. God, yeah, it's, it's terrible. And I'm a dad, so, you know, and I have a daughter. And so, like, it really hits home. So that game really worked well. I would say Twilight Princess and the whole, the part where you find out who the Twilight Princess is, it was really, really good. Too. That was you a guys well remember done that? scene, yeah. The entire mirror, mirror oh, yeah. scene with Midna. And, you know, you're playing this game thinking you know who the Twilight Princess is. And it's very different. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really cool. And then there's one game that made me more sad than any other, and that was uh, Superman 64. <laughs> Uh, next question is from Tony G. Hey, don't mean to bring you guys down. Good topic here. But I recently found out my wife cheated on me. We have a five-month-old and just got a new home, so I don't have enough money to get up and leave and don't want to leave my kid. The only thing that's keeping me going is listening to you guys since the best memories I can escape to are childhood ones, and you guys are keeping them alive. Thank goodness for NES Remix and Zelda 3DS as well. Thanks for keeping me sane through these impossible times. I have to stay sane for my kid as well. Thanks again. Hope this doesn't bring you down. 
Um, it does bring us down a little. Oh, in, that's why there, we bro. did this bad podcast. Too. But but you know, it's so great to get that kind of feedback. Um, you know, happy we can make a difference for you. Uh, life has many ups and downs. I also say like I I also listen to podcasts a whole lot, and usually when I'm exercising, and I really really get attached to the people in them that I don't know too. So. It takes you to a place where you can you know. Yeah, I I definitely see why people love listening to people talk about old games. It's one of my favorite things to listen to. Yep. And when you're down, it's always going to get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that right? Yeah, sure. That's a German expression, yeah, but I came an, across okay. it. It's a famous it's, quote by Per Schneider. <laughs> well, the other one is don't paint devils on the wall. Been down so, so long, it looks like up that. to me. Uh, dear NVC, a lot of Wii U owners want to see some good RPGs on a Nintendo console. That one's for you, Megan. Everyone ex- ex- is excited for X. Um, Shin Megami Tensei, X Fire Emblem, Cross Fire Emblem, and a possible Paper Mario entry. But there are not many RPGs on the horizon. No Final Fantasy, no Kingdom Hearts, no Tales of. The current Kingdom Hearts storyline is finished with Kingdom Hearts 3. Disney and Nintendo are similar with uh, having really strong characters and a good using nostalgia to get people interested. I would love to see a new collaboration between Square Enix and Nintendo in a Kingdom Hearts style of game. Visiting different worlds franchises in a final... final uh, uh, final fashion. This uh, would also fit with the recent strategy of Nintendo to lend franchises to third parties uh, like which Other we M, talked about Hyrule yet. Warriors, Mario and Sonic. What do you think of this idea? This is Sephirothi, the IGN. Uh, How user. could I have forgot I Hyrule Warriors? We haven't. We haven't talked. We talked about a little that. bit about that okay. because that was the uh, that was we did the podcast right after the announcement. Okay. Um, and Marty, Marty hated on it a lot. There's, there's <laughs> a really good chance you're gonna get more Nintendo crossover stuff. I mean, it if that's like what you're it, looking for, yeah. I don't know. I, I disagree with the RPG prospect really? outlook. I think there's a lot of RPGs coming out, but, yeah. but not think, for Wii U, not that I know. But there's of. No, no games coming out for Wii U, and he this, named two RPGs out of like four games we this, know about. There's fifty percent RPGs, yeah. and there'll be the, probably there'll be another kind of mainline Fire Emblem or something like there that. There is. Are you, are you talking Emblem? about well, the, the JRPG specific? Specifically, or RPGs in general? Well, also, I'm wondering what uh, Fire Emblem Cross Shimigami is going to be. Is it going to be like more Fire Emblem or is it going to be more. I think it's more I Fire Emblem. I hope Emblem-y. it's more Fire Emblem. Me too. But I think it's going to be like Pokemon Conquest, it's, where it's they took the, strat- the tactics. Strategy part. RPG. But X looks like it's a bona fide, like, big, awesome RPG, oh, yeah. right? Like, um, very Xeno. Xeno like, but I love this guy's idea. I think you know, a Kingdom Hearts, like the Kingdom Hearts concept of mixing all these characters from all these different worlds for <laughs> Nintendo would totally work. That, what's that Capcom that's, game that came out this summer? That's Smash Project Brothers. Project yeah, that's a Smash oh, Brothers yeah, yeah. Uh, sub-atmosphere. We see all the guys interacting. Uh-huh. I would love to see a game just like that with more, instead of beating each other up, just you know, cooperating. Project Cross Zone. Smash Hearts. Smash Hearts. Yeah, Project Cross Zone, uh, Cross Zone did that too. I, I huh? encourage yeah. this reader to check that out. Check out Project Cross Zone just yep, yep. to see what it's like. All right, next question comes from Chudza. Uh, hey, I remember back when G4 TV was not only a thing, but also ran gaming-related content. You know, we remember that, too. They also had Star Trek episodes. That's right. On an episode of the show Icons about Nintendo legend Gunpei Yokoi, IGN Pear, that's me, made a fancy appearance. I only bring this up because during the Virtual Boy segment, Pear mentioned that Nintendo had other more interesting things than the Virtual Boy in development. What were these great banana barn items? <laughs> so, <laughs> You, you're making me go back in time. It so first of all, 64. first of all, you know, a lot of people talk crap about G4 TV. The the icon stuff was great. They did oh, a yeah. really nice the, job the on that. The Miyamoto one. Yeah. You went from a bit part. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, no, th- those were really good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know what? Um, I, I was thinking about this. So the Virtual Boy was out in 95, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was abandoned in 96. Um, what they were working on, of course, at the time was the N64. So they had, you know, I, I bet I was referring to that. They Specifically announced... Super Mario 64. Yeah. They were working on that and didn't know what, what system that was going to come out on. So they had announced the N64, um, you know, the Project Unreality. Uh, by that time, we already knew what it was Ultra, called. It was Ultra but, by that point. But they, the Ultra, that's right, Ultra 64. The and then they, then they had already started talking about the disk drive and 64DD concepts because they got so much flack over not having, you know, having talked much about CD-ROM. So, you know, that was the kind of stuff they were working on. But they also uh, were working on the Game Boy Pocket, so we hadn't seen a new revision. Um, and then uh, there was a lot of pressure on them to create a, a, a lighted Game Boy, like a backlit one. Um, remember like the, the Game the, Boy Light out came time, out? It was like the color, Wonder Swan color. Yeah, was it was just a... Game Yeah, it was just Game Boy. So, uh, Game Boy Color. The, in 97, the, the light came out in 97. But they had already started talking about that and they also had talked a lot about linking their console and the handheld ironically um at the time and uh, projects would surface like later over the years and a lot of them were abandoned if you remember dt much later on that that popped up a couple of times so, is that a game uh yeah that was DT? supposed to be a game that was supposed to be a link between uh, two platforms handheld what did it look console. like I mean, we never saw it. Okay. No. They just said the words DT. And yeah, yeah. He wrote about it, look it vigorously up, in IGN 64. Search, yeah, search search DT on our site. You'll find some stuff that was later. But yeah, there, there was a lot of stuff that they would always hint at, um, but nothing really specific. DT, the dumpy yeah. terrestrial. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, what do we got here? Um, here's a question from uh, Jamie asking about why uh, Amazon is not selling the Wii U um, freely and the the 3DS directly through their site. You know, like um, that's an ongoing issue. Oh, I think isn't that it's annoying? Just, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a retail relationship challenge that Nintendo has, has had with Amazon for a long time. The worst thing is that the the vendors on Amazon jack up the prices yeah. on the existent ones, so you can't even get a 3DS for its normal price. They're all like fifty dollars more. Yep, it's sick. And Jamie, I mean, we've tried so many times to get to the bottom of it. Honestly, I've gotten honest responses from people on both sides, Nintendo and Amazon, like, oh, yeah, we don't know why that is. Like, it just points at a retail channel challenge that they have where nobody is intent on actually taking the step to You need to, to trick them this. to come together at a romantic meal. Yeah. You, know, you bring one, you the, say you're going to have a lunch meeting. It's like you the bring parent the other. trap. So yeah, exactly. The, the one thing you need to <laughs> know, though, together. is margins on hardware are really low. You know, GameStop makes its dollars through used stuff and trading in of hardware. That, that's how they make way more money, and that's going to be their future. So nobody, like Amazon is probably not falling over themselves to make the uh, the, the low margin um, no. uh, profit on the 3DS. They're just and tripping so they're over trying. their flying yep. droids. Let's uh, do one more question. Okay, one more. Uh, make it see. the best one. Um, the best. Well, there's a couple of really good ones. Uh, you know what? Why don't we wow, do you have a lot of questions over there? Well, that's because it's three weeks of questions, man. Mm-hmm. Sam, can you, you know agree what? that G Four TV's Portal was the best show ever? I'll keep some. I others. don't remember that. It was the one with the, the machinima about like the uh, uh, online games. Like they had, they would have EverQuest and like Dark Age of Camelot. Why, why would you, I would never watch that show? Really, it was just the funniest thing ever. Really? Some so, one of you listeners, please agree with okay. me. Sorry. So here's a question from Ben. I like Smurfs. You like Smurfs? Yes. Okay. Ben Ben Hutmaker. <laughs> That's cute, you guys, yeah. and your Smurfs. Yeah, I like the Smurfs. Yeah. Are you, are you so, talking about the movies or the TV show? Oh, they, Sam is a huge fan of the new movie. I, I, oh, there's a TV show? 
<laughs> hey, we're going to talk afterwards. Wasn't that the thing in America, like in Europe, everybody collected the little... Uh, yeah, the little figures. The little figures, right? I still have a couple from my childhood, and the best one is a Smurf holding a giant beer. <laughs> it's like a big, frothy top on the beer. It's so cool. That's their Trun- Smurf. Trunky Smurf. Yeah, their Smurf. Yeah. In They're Ger- Belgian, right? They're, yeah, they're, yeah, the Le or something, right? Like, I think I think they call mm-hmm. it Le and uh, in German they call it Schlümpfe. Yeah, those little toys. When I was, you know, in, in 1983, probably it was they're very popular here. Yeah, yeah. That's all I can say. Anyway, and then it was all micro machines, buddy. Speaking of Smurfs, this is a question from Ben Hutmaker. Craig Way. <laughs> Sam keeps making fun of me. I have this I like line. I, like, he found by accident, I think, an old review oh, of yeah. mine on the site. Remember, I've been here for like almost 17 years, so I reviewed a bunch of stuff. And my English proficiency was not as good 15, 16 good. years ago. But good. Um, You're a Berkeley student. That's because I, I probably copy edited some of that stuff years later. You but Pear wrote the review of Micro Machines for Nintendo 64. <laughs> and at the end of it, it has this mysterious line that says, uh, the, the levels are difficult, or the levels are dangerous, <laughs> but not as dangerous as Matt's carpet. And then it just <laughs> ends. It's hard stop. <laughs> What does you that know, mean? Uh, it's the I think kind he had of... a slippery rug in his house or a very dirty rug. This is the danger of, of inside baseball and content, <laughs> time context, right? We probably were making fun of each other in yeah, the inquiry. Like we, we had a section called inquiry, which was questions, and input, which was feedback. Inquiry. Inquiry and Nintendo. Input. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And then we, like, he I read had, it. It was a regular reader. He had a filthy shag carpet. With like, like I mean, there was like vomit and dice Tootsie and like roll rats pops. and like Tootsie Rolls and like unpaid parking tickets were in there. And you yeah. could, I, some people may have disappeared into a the whole carpet. family of owls. So, so it made, oh, look at that. Oh, it's Fran. It made total sense, total sense back then. It doesn't make sense now. So anyway, Ben Hutmaker. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. Hit, hit me, Ben. That, that, that Speaking way. of shag carpets. <laughs> the Wii U getting rebundled without a gamepad, subject at hand. What do you think? Is there a possibility that the Wii U will be sold without the gamepad in order to push sales at a more competitive price? You no. mean put in what like a you, controller instead? What do you think the software might look like if they made that change? Will the software change? How exactly much will the, the Wii U <laughs> sell without the gamepad? Love the show. Keep it up. Ben, thank you. We love you too. Um, no, no chance. No. I, don't, I don't believe it. You shot me down on that video we did after uh, the president Nintendo died. Remember that? But I think that could be that could happen. Yeah, but I, I think they just make a new system at this point. I think though. you inceptionified Ben into. Yeah, I, I think us making this. a new system would come way before ditching the gamepad, not the Wii U. I feel like it's expensive for them to make though. They could cut no, down the system to really cheap without it. Yeah, it's not. But isn't that the selling point of the Wii U? Is the is it the was gamepad? yeah. Well, now they're just like just <laughs> please enough. buy this you know, console. It has a thing. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's it is possible, right? They could do a mini Wii U that's really tiny, that is focused on like downloadable store games first and foremost, and they push it, right? Like Microsoft's tried that with an arcade machine. Remember the one that didn't have a hard drive and it was all supposed to be for casual games? Guys, you got to remember the 2DS tanked. exists. Yeah. We're living in a, in, a, in a parallel universe in which the 2DS exists. That's true. Anything could happen. It could it could happen. So I, I don't want to say that it, it couldn't. I just feel like... I don't think that they see that as the move to sell, to to save the Wii U. They think software is, and they're right. Yeah, because the differentiating factor cannot be just price, because it already has that, right? It is already cheaper than the other two platforms mm-hmm. by a bit. But it should be thirty nine ninety nine. Wow, that's a that's a steal, man. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? I think that's what I saw the Virtual Boy for, like a year after it was out. Yeah, it's not gonna. I happen. wish I would have bought twenty of them. They're not gonna. <laughs> they're not favorite. gonna Virtual Boy this thing. No. 
Yeah. Well, they would have already. Like, I think, by the way, if you look back in history, it feels like Nintendo tanked with a Virtual Boy and then just dropped it. Like, as if there was a press uh, conference to say, <laughs> this Virtual Boy is not selling, so we're going to drop it. That's not what happened. It just, they stopped talking about it. Yeah. And, yeah, people were wondering what was going to happen. The section it. in yeah. Nintendo Power got shorter and shorter yeah. and shorter. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of fizzled. And then and then you'd see Japanese games on store shelves without like translated manuals. Like here, What's going you saw on? that. Yeah. Whoa. Oh yeah, Whoa. yeah. The the cartridges had Japanese on them and stuff. They wow. were dumping them. Yeah. I still need Esther's Funky Bowling. We should wrap up this podcast, however. Yes. So uh, thanks for listening. And again, you can contact us with your awesome letters at nvc at ign.com. And uh, hopefully, Jose will be back to host next week. And yep. uh, there's a lot more to talk will about. Will you give it the power, Sam? Yeah. The power? Yeah, the, you're, they're hosting. Will you give back the power when Jose comes back? You mean the superness? Are you going to? Oh, super, is this Super oh, NBC? Oh, it's the Super NBC. Yeah. yeah, we yeah. got, actually, we had like the question of the week last time, like what were your biggest surprises? So we're going to do that next time. Talk yeah. about your biggest surprises, the, the stuff that you've emailed us. We have it all collected. Um, and we're going to talk about all Game of the Year picks. Um, you know, of course, The Last of Us won. Um, on IGN's on overall. On IGN's yeah. overall game of the year and very deserving game. But we all have very different picks, I think, for game of the year. We want to share that with oh, you yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, thanks, everybody. And uh, I guess we'll see you all next week. Have a nice one. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Get better, Jose.